It's four o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and I'll be with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to say welcome to those of you listening here in Colorado on Grace FM. Also want to say a big hello to everyone listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program. I also want to say hi to those who are listening online and on the app. I know so many who do that, so it's great to have you listening today. Welcome to the program. This is the show where you get to call in uh, and talk about things that are going on in your life with a pastor, questions about the Bible, or things that have come up in your reading. Or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you here on the air so you can call us or you can text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. We've got all open lines right now, so it's a perfect time to call. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. While we're waiting for those lines to fill up, I'll just tell you a little bit about myself. I am hosting this show every now and then, so some of you might have heard me before, but I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in Longmont, and we meet right in downtown Longmont, right in the heart of the city. For those of you familiar with Longmont, we meet uh, just on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, right on the corner of Kaufman Street and Longs Peak Avenue, right in downtown Longmont. It's the St. Vrain Memorial Building. And we meet there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And if you are in our area, we'd love for you to come and check us out and visit us. If you live around here, you can check us out also online at whitefieldschurch.com. So for those of you who live either in Longmont or around Longmont, whether that's you know Berthoud, Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Erie, Lafayette, even Boulder and Lyons, Love for you to come and visit us here in Longmont at Whitefields Community Church. You can also hear me every weekday here on Grace FM. We have a show that airs every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. It's called Life in the Field, and those are just excerpts from sermons that are preached at Whitefields on Sunday mornings. This upcoming Sunday at Whitefields, we're starting a new series, one that I'm really excited about. I've really enjoyed studying and preparing for it. We're going to be studying the book of Hebrews, which is one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. It kind of ties together the Old Testament and the New Testament. It just has such a wonderful message. And the title we've given this series is An Anchor for the Soul. And one of the things that I love about Hebrews is it's basically saying this. It's saying, look at Jesus, behold him, and no longer consider God as how he is useful to you, but consider him in his beauty. Consider Jesus, this great Savior who has been appointed to you by God, and and don't neglect such a great salvation. I'm uh, teaching this Sunday on Hebrews chapter 1, just the first three or four verses. I'd love to read it to you. It's one of my favorite sections in Scripture. It says this, A long time ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe 
by the word of his power. And after making purifications for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then he goes on to talk about how Jesus is, is greater than the angels. And I, um, the, one of the reasons I love that scripture is it just says that God has spoken in, in the past in different ways. He's spoken through prophets. He's spoken through his word. And in these last days, so meaning from the time that the writer wrote that all the way until the end of time, his final word to us, God's final word to us is his son. It's Jesus. He is the express radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I just love that. And uh, looking forward to getting to talk about Jesus during the series and in everything, every aspect of this book, getting to be able to say, let's set our eyes upon Jesus and, and follow hard after him. So we're going to go ahead and go to line one where we've got Ann in Kersey, Colorado. Hi, Ann. Hi. Hey, welcome to the program. Thank you. What's going on? I am going through severe depression right now. I am I am saved and I just feel like I have I don't have communication with God these days. Like I feel like I pray and I can't I can't get through, like, I feel like I don't hear from God anymore. I feel like I'm just in a very stagnant place, and I feel like I don't even know if God's got purpose for me anymore. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you're suffering with depression. I'm sure that's very, very hard. Have, is that something you've been going through for a long time? Actually, I've dealt with anxiety in the past, but never depression. This is a new thing for me, and it's... I have been experiencing it for a few, well, about six months now, mm-hmm. and trying to break free from it, and, and quoting scripture, praying, reading, but just trying to spend time with God that I feel like it's all one-sided, like, I feel like I'm trying to press through and not hearing anything, mm-hmm. like, you know, I feel like I'm not touching the throne of God, and I feel like it's is God even there for me anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, man, I would love to tell you a few things. So I hope will encourage you. One of the um, one of the messages that I preached uh, a few years ago that encourages me in times like this was a message um, from the story of Joseph. Are you familiar with that story? Yes, yes. Yes, story of Joseph. It's found at the end of the book of Genesis. And um, here's what I found is really interesting is that in the story of, well, let's take the book of Genesis. If you look at the whole book of Genesis, you see um, almost the entire thing, right? It's like God's moving, he's creating, he's acting, he's speaking to people, he's showing up, you know, unexpectedly in people's lives, he's speaking, amazing things are happening, and then we get to the story of Joseph. And what's so unique about the story of Joseph is that God never really speaks to Joseph. At least we don't, we're not told that he is, and, and we and, and that's significant because throughout the rest of the book, we are told that God keeps speaking and showing up and, and doing things like with Abraham and with the others, or Jacob, even he shows up in these dreams. With Joseph, it's just silence. And, I, it, you know, theologians talk about this. They refer to it as the silence of God. And here's what I would um, tell you is that with God, silence is not absence. And that's really important to remember. Yeah. 
And I want you to remember the story of Joseph because you know what happens at the end of the story. And remember, that story of Joseph, it, it covers like 20 years of his life. So 20 years go by in Joseph's life, at least 20 years. And it seems like God isn't speaking, but at the end of the story, Joseph says, God has been working this entire time. Everything that's happened, God's hand of providence has been actively involved in all of it, even though God wasn't speaking. And, yeah. and there, there's one really interesting point about that. And that is that you remember when Joseph's brothers, they um, got jealous because he had been given this special coat, which represented that he was the boss by his dad. Yeah, yeah. And so they got really jealous. And you remember they like attacked him in this wilderness. And uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the town. It starts with a, with a letter D. Um, I'm going to try and look it up while we're talking. But he, um, his brothers attack him in this one town and um, they throw him in a pit. And then they sell him to some people who are walking by. And you can imagine Joseph, right? Probably a godly guy. We, we see that he's a godly guy later on. So you can imagine what's Joseph doing? Well, he's probably praying. He's probably crying out to God. You know, God, don't let this happen to me. Don't let me be sold to these people, you know, who are going to take me as a slave. And, um, and so you can imagine Joseph praying. And what does he get in response? He gets silence. Yes. Here's here's the section, by the way. It's Genesis 37, starting in verse 12. And then in verse 17, the brothers say, let us go to Dothan. And here's what, what I want to tell you. It's really, really powerful for me, and I hope for you too. So this town of Dothan, where his brothers end up going to, that town is only mentioned in one other place in the Bible. And in the other place in the Bible, it's in the Kings, and it's when Elijah the prophet is uh, he's doing something, and I don't quite remember what it is off the top of my head, but he's doing something, and God shows up in this major way, right, in this miraculous, very visible, very tangible way in this town called Dothan, right? But in the same town where, God, where Elijah calls on God and God shows up in a miraculous way, signs and wonders, very visible, in that same place, Joseph, in a time of distress, called upon God, and rather than signs and wonders and visible and audio, auditory hearing the, the voice of God, Joseph instead gets silence. And yet, in the silence, God was absolutely working. God was hearing Joseph's prayer. But here's yeah. the thing that Joseph had to do. He had to walk in faith, knowing that even if he doesn't see, even if he doesn't hear, even if he doesn't feel, God is faithful to his promises and God is still there. Amen. And I want to encourage you with that too. That's the thing, you know, Paul the Apostle says, you know, we don't walk by faith and that's why it's hard sometimes. I mean, I'm sorry, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. And that's really hard sometimes because it would be a lot easier if we could always see things and feel things. And yeah, yeah. So my heart absolutely goes out to you because I know how that feels to feel like maybe my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and not getting to God you know where is God yeah. right now especially when I need him but I want you to remember that story of Dothan and remember that God is there and I, I would encourage you to walk by faith and as regards the the purpose for your life let me tell you what that's not something that is a mystery it's not something that you need to feel uh, a question mark in your mind about because God has absolutely given your life a purpose. Your purpose in life is to know him, to love him, 
and to serve others in his name. Yes. So I, w- I would encourage you to do that. I will do that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Could I please pray for you? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Anne. Uh, we thank you for her calling in and just being so honest about where she's at with you and where she's at uh, emotionally and struggling. Lord, we pray that you would lift this cloud of depression. Lord, we pray that you just give a lightness and a clarity to her mind. Lord, we pray that you'd bring other brothers and sisters, Christian brothers and sisters around her and into her life. And Lord, I just pray blessing upon her. I pray that she would sense your presence. But Lord, as long as she is in that place of, of feeling like, wow, I'm just not feeling anything, I'm not hearing, I'm not seeing. Lord, I pray that she would remember the story of Joseph and that for 20 years it seems that he didn't hear the voice of God and yet there you were the whole time, even in every detail, working for his good and for your glory through him. So I pray that, Lord, you'd encourage her in that and I pray that she would have that very burning sense of of purpose in her life, Lord, that you have called her for a reason and you have a purpose in her life to know you, to love you, and to serve others in your name. I pray that she would walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here on the air with you today, taking your calls and your text messages. You can call in with questions you have from the Bible or things going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or advice on, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go ahead and go to David in New Jersey. Hi, David. Hello. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much. What's going on? Uh, Well... I'd like to, it, it, I'm, I guess my question at the end of this will be uh, possibly some scriptural, um, some sound scripture on towards the situation that is at hand that I think is pretty relevant, and as much as a lot of people do not look at, and I, I even know men and women of God who look at social media, they're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, however, when I was in the military, I came across men and women of God who had literally heard of things. Uh, bad things about the church and basically walked away from God. And I remember praying for them, having that blessed opportunity and, you know, leading some to Christ on just some things they heard. And so, for instance, the things that are going on right now, I'm just hearing a lot of bashing. And particularly, it's based off of a building that didn't open its doors in Lakewood. And, of course, that is automatically associated with the Church, but we are the body of Christ, and that may be a member in Christ who is over that ministry over there in Lakewood, but a building without the body of Christ in it, it's just a building. And my thing is, I just—to me, it's like the Church is God's baby. And when Paul, you know, he would speak to the Church at Corinth, he was speaking to the body of Christ, the Church at Corinth. It had nothing to do with the building. And so when things happen, it's like the church, the the actual body of Christ is represented for every single member as a whole body. Like, automatically the church is bashed. And that's kind of what happened when the doors of Lakewood didn't get open. It wasn't just Lakewood that got bashed or the, the pastor of that ministry. It was the entire body of Christ. Yeah. 
And that to me is like, in my heart, I'm like, this is God's baby. Um, yeah, that doesn't take away. Uh, I don't know exactly what Joel's seen's relationship with God, but to be honest with you, I believe he's a man of God saved by the blood of Jesus. And that doesn't take away salvation, whether, uh, there, to be honest, there's not enough evidence on either side. I've actually done my research to say whether it was flooded or not. And the fact that he opened it afterwards, the scrutiny, I mean, hey, that's God putting his heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's really not something to say the entire body of Christ or every ministry. And the problem is, is they'll go, they'll associate the church of Lakewood. Well, no, no, we are the body of Christ. That That is just a building, you know, and that may be one member. But I just, it, that's, for me, it's, it bothers me. And something in my heart, it's like, I've had men and women of God who I've met who've literally walked away from God for a season because of things they've heard, not even things they've seen. Social media really does have influence. Um, yeah, I agree, especially in our society. It seems to be very highly charged emotionally, you know, where people make a lot of decisions based on uh, emotions even more than they do on um, reason, and social media can be a thing that gets us uh, just completely caught up in in uh, those emotions. So what is your uh, what is your conclusion here? My my conclusion is that it is a problem. It, it's not something that needs to be overlooked because I actually did a live feed today by the grace of God, and I noticed some people, I'm probably going to get some backlash, but I mean, I love people, mm-hmm. but we're the body of Christ. Be careful when you're sharing something that one attacks God's baby that attacks the the, the image of God, yeah. the image of, you know the representation of Christ off of one yeah. person over a building, yeah. not the body of Christ. You know, and not to say that member is not part of the body of Christ, but that should be dealt with in private or personal if it's going to be just putting that person out there not the entire body of Christ, saying, okay, well, now people are going to think, well, you know what? Christians are phony. You know, flood came, where's the help? But yet I know many men and women of God who don't talk about it, and they're out there helping, you know? Sure, yeah. Well, so I agree with you. Here, I'll give you some scriptures, though. Uh, I want to, you know, talk about both sides. On the one hand, where you have people who criticize Joel Osteen, and and they criticize people who, you know, along with Joel Osteen... um, in their opinion, don't teach sound doctrine. I think that's a that's a valid critique. I agree with you that it is more of a conversation that needs to happen within the family, so to say, right? Like that's a that's a conversation that we have within the family of of the believers. The problem is that a lot of times when we do that on social media, yeah, we're having a public conversation, and so uh, we need to be careful about that. I'll read you a proverb. Here's what the Proverbs 6, 6, verses 16 through 19 say this. There are six things that the Lord hates. There are seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. And here's the one I'm really trying to get to at the very end. And one who sows discord among the brethren. 
And so uh, that's just what I'd like to point out. That's on the list of things that God hates, is people who sow discord among the brethren. So we should be very careful about how we talk about other brothers and sisters in Christ. You're absolutely right that God loves the body of Christ. It is his uh, bride, you know, that he has died to redeem. And so let us be careful how we speak about other brothers and sisters. The other thing to remember is that... um, they will, you know, Joel Osteen and other people, along with myself and yourself, we are going to have to answer to our master, not to other servants, right? So we, we uh, uh, leave that to God as to how he's going to sort things out. Now, if someone was going to ask me, do I recommend that they listen to Joel Osteen's teachings? Do I recommend that they go to his church? Do I recommend these kind of things? Well, then my answer would be no, because I don't believe that he's a good exegeter of the scriptures. I don't believe that he's giving the whole counsel of God. But as far as uh, is he a Christian, that's uh, that's up to God. I, I will agree with you on the point that bashing him on social media is inappropriate and is very unhelpful to the cause of the gospel, um, especially as regards this building right now. So I am glad that he opened his building. And on a more on a positive note, I'll tell you this. Calvary Chapel of Houston has I mean, they have opened their building and they are helping a ton of people uh, there in Houston. I was also in touch with a relief agency called Calvary Relief earlier today. You know, here in Colorado, we're in Longmont and we had flooding. We We got hit. You know, we got the brunt of that flood that happened in 2013. And uh a relief agency called Calvary Relief, led by a friend of mine named Kurt Hensey. They came in and they were doing great work. And they actually just finished doing work now four years later after the flood. Uh, they just left Lyons and they were praying about where to go next. They were in Chattanooga, Tennessee for a short time. And then this hurricane happened and he wrote me today and said, we're on our way down to Houston area. We're going to be you know, figuring out what doors the Lord opens for us to help people. And he was telling us this to just help us, that he would like us to help spread the word as to what they're doing. And if people are wanting to go down and help and get their hands dirty, helping mucking out houses and and helping even just giving money, I mean, they're going to need to buy a ton of supplies. Uh, They are Calvary Relief, and I would encourage people to Google Calvary Relief and, and see what they're doing. They're doing amazing work. Also, Google Calvary Houston. Uh, because they have opened their doors and they're helping a lot of people down there who are affected by the flood. So there are a lot of really great things happening, and I agree with you. Thank you for calling in and giving those uh, that critique on people just bashing um, Joel Osteen and how, much, how hurtful that is to the cause of the gospel and the church and God's heart. So thank you for calling in, and God bless you. God bless you too, brother. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here on the air today, taking your calls and text messages. We've got two open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897 if you've got a prayer request, something you'd like to share or seek advice on, like our previous caller, or you've got a question from the Bible, we'd love to have you call or text in. Let's go ahead and go to line three, where we've got Chris in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Chris, you're on the program. Hi, how you doing? Uh, I just want to um, encourage that first call that was dealing with depression. Yeah. 
and you touched the point right at the end of your council with her, and it was um, the council was at uh, serving. You know, and that's um, been a big key f for helping uh, with depression, just um, going out uh, each day and helping somebody out, serving someone out, you know, whether it's being taking a meal to them or uh, cleaning for them or taking care of their immediate needs physically, mentally, spiritually, uh, you know, going over, uh, sharing a good word from the, the Bible with them, you know, and then by doing so, um, it puts you in a, a, a place of of putting others' needs before you, and then the depression seems to just slip away because your mind is, is forgot about your needs, and uh, a greater need of someone else is placed on the throne of your heart, and go, going into that place uh, uh, wholeheartedly, uh, helping another soul deal with um, their needs mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, uh, will just pull you right out of that, that, that swirling pit. And if not, when you uh, spend too much time by yourself, uh, it seems to get worse because uh, you're at that stagnant place. But just take, and I just encourage her, do you just take that step, sister, out each day, you know, just f find something, you know, um, on your phone, call somebody and find a need of uh, another soul. Uh, there's like, you know, going out, serving the homeless, or just the volunteering in a nursing home, uh, whatever it may be, whatever, you know, just ask God, send me somewhere. And um, that'll that'll help. Yeah, thank you for that. I I do agree with you. I think that um, I think that's a very biblical thing that you're hitting on. Is that one of the greatest cures for depression is for is service to others. And you know that's actually like very many things in the Bible. It's almost counterintuitive. Who would think? You know, we would think, oh well, you know, I'm struggling in this area my focus needs to be on my own health my own well-being and the bible actually tells us no just the opposite if you focus your vision on yourself you actually you you know your world gets smaller and you, you become cycling around yourself as opposed to if you take your eyes off of yourself you put your eyes on jesus and then begin serving other people in his name that's where you find life and joy. One of the things I shared with our church, and it's actually something I had heard a super long time ago, and I thought it just seemed very kind of cliche and cheesy, but I shared it anyway. And I had a bunch of people come up to me afterwards and say, that wasn't cliche and cheesy at all. That was very helpful. You know, it's just this idea that joy, you know, think about that as an acronym. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, G and, you know, put them in order. Jesus, others, yourself. That's the formula for joy. Seek Jesus, put your eyes on Jesus, and serve others. Put others mm. ahead of yourself, like what Philippians chapter 2 talks about. Have this mind in yourself that was in Jesus, that he yes. served other people. And, mm -hmm. um, and then you, yourself. But I think so many times our culture encourages us to do just uh -huh. the opposite. They say, you know, oh, you're struggling. You're doing this. Well, you need to take care of you. You need to think about what you need to do to make yourself happy. And mm -hmm. uh, 
Bible, I think that's actually a formula for for depression. So, yeah, thank yeah. you for that good word. All right, so I'll, I'll keep my sister in prayer. What's her name, Anne? What was her name is Anne, that's right. Anne, okay, all right, Anne, I'll be keeping you in prayer. I love you, sister. Great, Bye-bye. thank you for calling in. We're going to be going to a break in just a second. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. You can check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. We're coming up on a break. We've got three open lines right now, so during this break is a great time for you to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We're going to be back in just a minute answering more of your calls and text messages. We'll see you after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. Please call us or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got a couple open lines, so it's a great time to call in if you've been looking for a time to do that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and go to the text line right now. We've got some text messages that I'd like to respond to. Uh, one person texts in and says, Hello, Pastor. My boyfriend left me a month after we had sex. He said things changed and that he did not love me like he used to. I feel, well, you can imagine, and I feel lied to. If he is a Christian, should he not be working on fixing things? Or was this the right thing to do to pick up? I feel like I'm alone in this boat, and I can't forgive myself. Well, I appreciate your courage in writing in, and um, I'd love to say a few things to this. I think that that's terrible, uh, that he did that to you. Uh, I, I can imagine you feel used and you feel lied to. Uh, I would tell you this. I think the, the worst part about that is that uh, it sounds like you're saying that he is a Christian or at least calls himself a Christian and you're wondering if he should be willing on willing to work things out and get back together with you. My opinion, not knowing your situation very well aside from this text message, my opinion is this. If he's going to do something like this to you, then I would not encourage you to um, to be together with him if he's going to um, to do this to you. And of course, I don't know the details, but here's what I would encourage you to do is move on, and I would encourage you to embrace the forgiveness that is found in and through Christ. And you say that you can't forgive yourself. I've heard several people say that you know over over the years. Uh, I want you to know this. Whether you can forgive yourself or not, in Christ you are forgiven. And this is what I would encourage you to do, is to really embrace the gospel. 
Because here's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is actually that you and me, all of us, we are more sinful than we even want to admit. Even Maybe even more than we realize. We are more sinful and unclean than we even realize. But at the same time, we are more loved by God than we would we could ever dare to dream. And that's what I would want you to know is that uh, even if you have sinned, the fact is that God loves you in spite of your sins. He has sent Jesus to take those sins upon himself and to die for them so that you can be forgiven and you can be cleansed and you can be restored and renewed. And I really want you to embrace that restoration, that forgiveness that he gives you in Christ. And so... Um, and I would encourage you, you know, essentially there, there comes a point where after a time of saying, you know, you can get to this point where you say, okay, I know that God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. When we get to that point, we're essentially saying to God, well, you don't have it right. You know, I, I've done something so grievous that I shouldn't be forgiven. And he's saying, no, I understand how grievous sin is. And I have forgiven you in Christ because he bore the judgment for your sin so that you don't have to. And so my, my heart seriously goes out to you. I would encourage you, if this, if this boyfriend of yours left you, let him go and you pursue Christ and embrace the gospel with your whole heart. So thank you for writing in and, and truly my prayer for you is that you would embrace that, that and that you would pursue Christ rather than pursuing getting back together with this boyfriend. We have a caller on line one. Let's go to Janine in Denver. Hi, Janine. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Welcome to the program. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. Um, so I just wanted to make a comment about, um, about depression. Um, I have suffered depression probably since um, I was in my mid-teens, and I just want to say that uh, when I came to the Lord about 18 years ago, I was in a really bad depression, which is ultimately what brought me there. But I just want you to know that I tried everything. I mean, I did everything that anyone, you know, any pastor, anybody told me to do, praying, uh, getting prayer, doing things for others. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes those things just don't do it. I ended up eventually, you know, seeing a doctor and, and getting on some medication that ultimately has helped stabilize me for, you know, the past several years. So I just wanted to point that out. Not that doing good things for other people is wrong at all or it's mm-hmm. not the answer. It can be sometimes, but I think sometimes there's a there's a huge biochemical component to it that can happen. So oh, I absolutely agree with you. And that is a great counterpoint. You know, see, so... Uh, you know, when we talk about depression, we have to kind of um, define exactly what it is we're talking about, right? Because we can yeah. speak about depression from a sense of, you know, um, short-term depression going all the way to clinical depression when we're talking about brain chemistry. Right. And you're right. In some of those more serious cases, it's not just, um, hey, you need to uh, get out of yourself and, and serve others. Or pray more or read your Bible more. Sometimes uh, if it's a physical condition, then it needs to be helped physically. I, I do understand that. Although I would say even in those cases, I think the answer is still to get out of yourself, to put your eyes on Jesus, and to serve him and to serve others as well. 
Right. But just don't bash yourself because, you know, if you're really trying and doing everything, you know, you you have a tendency when you're depressed to think, what's wrong with me? What am I doing? Why can't I get out of this? You know? So I think it's important to try to not hate yourself for being there. There's a huge stigma that comes with being depressed, and especially in Christian circles. I mean, I've had many people say, you know, hey, pull up your bootstraps and, you know, put a smile on your face. And it doesn't, it's not always that easy, you know? Yeah. So anyway, but, and okay, so here's my other thing. Um, So I got a call from my, one of my children last week, and they announced to me that they are gay homosexual and I am really struggling with this I'm I don't know how to deal with it I've got like a plethora of emotions and I um, yeah I don't know biblically exactly you know how to face it because on one hand you love your child and you want you know to accept and everyone's saying oh you know because we live in a society where you're supposed to accept you know everything so even you know, non-Christian people will accept it quickly, you know, but mm-hmm. for myself, I'm struggling and because this is my, you know, one of my kids. And yeah, absolutely. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a few things. I mean, I heard this really great quote and I, it was it was something that stuck with me over the years. And what this person said is that, you know, our society has bought into uh, two lies the first of them is that if you disagree with somebody or you don't affirm what they are doing, that you uh, that you hate them or that you are afraid of them. And mm-hmm. he said, well, it's, it's absolutely not the case. It's, it's fully possible to love somebody and not affirm what they are doing. I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest hurdles we face um, in our society today, and it, well, I'll just say this and I'll explain it. One of the biggest hurdles we face in regard to this issue is that the narrative has been changed from being a matter of actions to being a matter of identity. And what I mean is that people have tried to change the story, and you know, whereas Christians we say, well, wait a second, that's not who you are, that's what you're doing, so let's talk about your actions because we can't affirm those actions. But uh, on the other side, the narrative has been kind of taken hold of and people have tried to change the narrative into saying well wait a second it's not just my actions this is who I am and so if you don't agree with what I'm doing you're not just disagreeing with what I'm doing you're disagreeing with who I fundamentally am Mm -hmm. and I think that if we can separate these two and really narrow down what the issue is and I do believe it it comes down to an issue of behavior rather than identity Mm -hmm. I, I would I would encourage you, if you have that identity conversation, to really um, show this child of yours and, and anyone you talk to that to reduce a person's identity to their sexual orientation is somewhat dehumanizing. Because you're saying that this is the essence of who you are, is you know, your attraction to people of the same sex or your desire to have sex with people of the same gender, um, you know, certainly you as a person or me as a person or anyone listening, our identity is much more than how we feel in any given moment uh, sexually or how we have desires. Mm. And so I think that boiling down a person's identity or trying to say, this is who you are, 
is uh, in a way very dehumanizing. It, it reduces who we are to just how we feel about one particular topic in any given moment. Um, so I would I would try to encourage you in your conversations to take the conversation away from identity and take the conversation towards actions. I think it's absolutely possible to have temptations towards or desire for um, for same-sex relationships or same-sex attraction and yet be a Christian if you are not engaging. You know, if you're fighting that temptation, you're not engaging in those activities. The, the way that the narrative has been taken hold of is that people are saying, well, you shouldn't you know, fight those tendencies because that's the essence of who you are. And I think as Christians, we need to come back and say, wait a second, that's not the essence of what makes a person a human being. Yeah, I definitely, I do agree with that. I do agree. I mean, there's a whole lot of other, a million other questions in my mind about, you know, just, yeah. But anyway, no, that is a, that's a good, (laughs) that's a good thing to keep in mind for sure. And that does, that is helpful. That is helpful. Well, and above all, I'd love to pray for you and and your child. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we pray for Jeannie and uh, and so many other callers who can probably relate to her. Maybe they have children or family members who have come out as homosexuals, and maybe this is a conversation that they they are engaged in uh, frequently. Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom. We pray that you give us love uh, for for all people, Lord, just as you had love for people and you were surrounded by people who. Um, who the religious establishment of your day said that these people are uh, not worthy or not they shouldn't be uh, worthy of our love or attention. Lord, may we be those who love unceasingly and yet hold convictions uncompromisingly based on your word. Please help us, Lord, that we would be able to love people and, and show them that it's possible for us to disagree with their actions and not hate them and not fear them, but to have convictions of our own about uh, identity and about actions. So, Lord, I pray for Janine and uh, her family, Lord, that you give them so much wisdom, you'd fill them with so much love that there would be no question in her kids' minds about her love for them. We also pray for those who are struggling with serious depression. Lord, we pray that they would be able to uh, talk about those things without stigma amongst us who are Christians. And, Lord, that we would be praying for them, Lord, and that you would lift that burden of depression, that cloud from them, and fill their hearts and their minds with joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. And thank you for calling in. Thank right, you God so much. You. you too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go to our next caller on line two. We've got Caesar in Denver. Hi, Pastor. Hi there. Um, that caller that talked about uh, pastors for instance, Joel Osteen. Um, yes. I'm confused on 1 Corinthians 4.13. Okay. Because it talks about, can you, can you read that? Because it, it doesn't, yeah. All right, let's talk about 1 Corinthians 4.13. He says this, um, we have become, well, he says, when slandered we entreat. Well, let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's go back to yeah. verse 11. He says, to the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed. We are buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. 
And when slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Yes. So what is your question or your point? So in that, he said, and and in that, um, he didn't run. Like, I hear pastors saying, don't receive it. You know, don't receive it. But in, in, that's, where, that's where the faith is, is, is loving that person to the point where he's drowned in it. No matter, and it's been successful in my life recently that I came across a guy that was overbearing, and I, I was put against the wall, I was broken, and I, I, I got down on my knees in my heart, and I asked God, I can't look for another job, I can't do this again. And I was broken, and and all of a sudden, it's like he said, "I like he's like he said, I got this." And so I waited. I want. I was like, "Okay." I felt great. I felt like it was all gone, and I and I knew it was like he was going to tell me the answer. And the next day, I was on your station again, and it talked about the two apostles who wanted to sit at the right and left hand side of Jesus. And he said, "To do that, you have to be a servant or slave." And then God added, He said put that guy above you, make him above you, do everything you can. And I understood that. That's nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no running in that. There's no, you don't run. Run is not of God. Run. See, so it's very, I don't understand how, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, Unfortunately, so let me, not let me try and get up. some, uh, let me try and get some clarity on what you're saying. Are you saying that when we are slandered by other people, that we should not uh, run from it, but that we should embrace it, and we should do what Paul says here, yeah. right? Which is that Even we should David, when slander, yes. we entreat, and when persecuted, we endure. When reviled, we bless. Is that what you're you're getting at here? Yes. Yes. Okay, I think that's a great point. But here's here's what I'll tell you on the counterpoint, um, and then I will get back to what you're saying. I think what our previous caller was trying to say is that as Christians, we should be very careful about how we talk about other Christians, even Christians we might disagree with in theory or in practice. Um, We should be very careful how we speak about them publicly, whether on social media or in other conversations. And I I think that that is a very valid point. Now, from your perspective, you're saying, well, if you are slandered, if you are reviled, then how should you respond to that? that? Is that what you're saying? And you're saying... When reviled, we bless. In other words, yeah. it's like Jesus said, you know, getting, uh, if you're struck on the face, turn the other cheek. You know, a slap in the face is really what Jesus is talking about. It's an insult. And he's saying, if, yeah. you know, if you're insulted, what should you do? Should you spit in the other person's face? Should you punch them out? No, he says, you know what you should do if you're offended? You should turn the other cheek. Yeah, and, um, that, guy is, that guy's hurt. He's hurt and he's broken. And right, if you like don't love say. him, if you love him long enough, that hurt and broken will be will be let out, and then you'll be able to something will be there. If not, God will change something else. Yes, but and you know what? Works. Even if God doesn't, you know, even if that other person doesn't change, you know what? We also need this for our own hearts. Yeah. Because you know what? If you let bitterness take root in your heart, Hebrews says tells us that don't let a root of bitterness take root in your heart because it will defile many around you and it spreads and the other part is this you know if we allow bitterness to take hold in our hearts we it's like locking ourselves in a prison 
and um, and we're the ones who are suffering. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You're the one who suffers in the end. So yeah, I think that's we're a great our point. Children, we will suffer because we're his kids. Yeah. Well, we to can't get back to like the. That. To get back to what the other caller said, I wanted to add one thing. You know, he was really saying we need to be careful about how we talk about other Christians in public. And I remember a good pastor friend of mine said this years ago about himself as a pastor. And but I think this applies to all Christians. But he was saying as a pastor and he was talking about the way that he talks about people in his church, in the car, in the house, when his kids are within hearing distance, because he said, you know, they're going to hear. He was said that he wouldn't ever say anything negative. He wouldn't talk about problems in the church within earshot of his children. And the reason he did that is because he wanted his kids to grow up thinking that the church was a wonderful place full of God's people. And he didn't want them to think of it as uh, a place full of discord where the people who call themselves Christians all talk about each other bad behind each other's back and they, they bite each other and devour each other. And he said he wanted his kids to always think of church as a wonderful place full of people who love God and serve God. And, um, you know, that his kids would grow up thinking about church in that way. I just thought that is so wise. Uh, Not only from a pastor's family's perspective, which, of course, I think of myself when I, you know, it speaks to me on that level. But I think any Christian Man, if you've got kids in the house, if you've got anybody overhearing conversations, whether they're on social media or whether they're in person uh, or even in the workplace overhearing things, man, shouldn't we portray the body of Christ in all of its beauty and its glory so that people would see it for the beauty and desire it for the beauty that it is and that it's meant to be? So that's, uh, I think we're hitting on two very good points here. The one being, uh, you know, let's be careful how we speak about brethren. And let's also, um, when we are reviled, let's be careful, as you're saying, how we respond. So, Caesar, God bless you, and thank you for calling in and, uh, and sharing that point with us. Thank Very you. Very much appreciated. God bless you. Bless. All right, thank bye-bye. You. you are listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible things going on in your life, a prayer request. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got about eight minutes left in the show, and we've got open lines right now. So if anyone wants to call in before the end of the show, now would be a great time. I am Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Just very much enjoying being on the air with you today. For those of you in the Longmont area uh, who would like to check out our church, go ahead and check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com. We meet every Sunday morning in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, right uh, at the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak Avenue in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. We meet at 10 a.m. This Sunday we're beginning a new study in the book of Hebrews I'm really excited about it. If you haven't checked us out before, this Sunday would be a great time to do so. Let's go ahead and go back to our text line. We have a few questions that have come in in the meantime. Evan from Thornton, Colorado writes in and asks, Does disobedience revoke salvation? Does disobedience revoke salvation? Evan, the short answer is no. And I'll tell you why. Because salvation is something that Jesus does for us. 
And I'll tell you, here's the other reason. The other reason is because obedience is not a prerequisite for salvation. Let me give you a couple examples, and then I'll explain something. But I'm also going to give you a counterpoint to this, uh, which will kind of say uh, a little bit of the opposite of what I'm saying, but I don't think it's the opposite. I think it's just a very important counterpoint. So here's my example for why salvation is not predicated on obedience. This is actually taught throughout the Bible. It's taught very clearly in the New Testament, but it's also taught in the Old Testament. And one of the ways it's taught in the Old Testament is through stories. Okay, so here's maybe the greatest salvation story and picture of salvation in the Old Testament that, of course, is used in the New Testament to say this is a picture of salvation, is the Passover. And here's the story of the Passover from the book of Exodus. The children of Israel were enslaved. They were oppressed. They were not free. And God came and he heard their cries and God saved them. He set them free in a miraculous way. Through a series of miracles, he set them free and brought judgment upon their oppressors, took them through the Red Sea, and then they found themselves on the other side of the Red Sea, separated and, and truly free from their oppressors. And so here's my question for you. Did God save the Israelites after he gave them the law, after they obeyed him, or before he gave them the law? Did he save them first and then ask for obedience? Or did he ask for obedience first as a prerequisite for salvation? The answer is obviously that he saved them by his grace. Grace, of course, means that it's undeserved, it's unearned, it's unmerited. And, and then after that, he said, now I want you to obey me because you've seen who I am, you've seen what I'm about, you've seen my love for you, and I want you to obey me in response to who I am and what I've done for you. And that's how obedience works. So, uh, dis so obedience is not a prerequisite for salvation, and that's why disobedience does not revoke salvation. But here's the other thing that I tell you, and, and this comes from also my study of Hebrews. The letter to the Hebrews was written to people who were suffering persecution. They had become Christians, but becoming Christians had made their lives harder rather than easier. And you know how that is. Sometimes people become Christians and they expect, okay, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to say yes to God. And therefore, I expect that, you know, once I've done that, that my life's going to start getting better, etc. And, um, and the writer to the Hebrews, he says to these people, he's, well, he says, don't give up walking with Jesus. Because here's what these people were thinking. They're thinking, man, I've become a Christian and it has actually made my life harder rather than easier. Therefore, maybe I should just not be a Christian anymore. Maybe I should just go back to my old life. I used to be Jewish and my life was a lot easier when I was Jewish, so I'll just go back to being that. And the writer to the letter of Hebrews says, no, do not neglect such a great salvation. If you do, there remains no hope for you. If you turn away from Jesus, if you stop trusting in him, if you stop following him, if you stop believing in him, there's no hope for you outside of him. And so here's what I would tell you. Does disobedience revoke salvation? I would say no. And the reason is because salvation is not predicated on our obedience, but on what Christ did for us. But here's the thing. If a person stops trusting in Jesus, stops following after Jesus, stops believing in Jesus, and abandons Jesus, do they lose salvation? Well, I would say that that, is, that that person no longer has salvation once they have abandoned Jesus. And um, 
I hope that answers your question. So, um, Evan, thank you for writing in. I would like to go to our line right now. We've got Rob in Baltimore. Hi, Rob. Hello. How are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing great. I've got two minutes to the end of the show. Do you think that's going to be enough time, or should we revisit this another time? No, sir. I think it'll be plenty of time. Okay. All right. Uh, here's what I was going to say. Pastor Jeff, I'm actually a week on delay from your program because I'm in Baltimore. Um, Pastor Jeff last week had a caller come on, and she was uh, convinced that she had to be baptized in order to be saved. And a verse that she, we know that's not true because it's a work. Work doesn't save us. Uh, the faith in Christ and through his grace, the free undeserved gift, that's what saves us. Uh, what he could have probably said to help her understand is when Christ, you know, our Savior said you had to be baptized to be saved, at that point he wasn't talking about water baptism. At that point he was talking about being baptized by the Holy Spirit which, in essence, is the definition of grace, the free, undeserved gift. The Lord saves you. There's no work that we can do to be saved. And what she was taking, her church was teaching her, was to be baptized by water and you'd be saved. But that's a work, and we know better than that. If he would have, because she used a verse that said, uh, everyone be baptized and they'd be saved, but wasn't explained to her that the Holy Spirit does the baptism. And that was it. All right, Rob. Well, I'll just take over from here and just let you know this because we're really coming up on the last uh, – we're within one minute of the end of the show. Rob, you're absolutely right. Um, nothing that we do saves us. It's absolutely what Jesus did for us. Thank you for calling in, and God bless you. You have been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online at whitefieldschurch.com, and we'll catch you next time here on Calvary Live. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.